Ever wonder why we get to read some books on Tishbab and others get thrown aside? It doesn't seem fair. Yermiah will understand. But Eov? Eov has nothing to do with the destruction of the temple. What about Yeshayahu? Yeshayahu has lots and lots of horrible and nasty prophecies. Why can't we read him? He's as depressing as anybody. It's a great question. Second, why of all the chapters of the Torah do we choose to read the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, Devarim Perigdala, the second half, for Tisha B'Av? These are the questions we're going to be asking today on this Nach Talks podcast. I'm Yaakov Beasley, broadcasting from Alon Shvud in the hills overlooking Yerushalayim. Because it's Tisha B'Av, today we'll have a music-free, jazz-free podcast. Let's begin. I remember several years ago, I was listening to a Shir on Sifania. I was then preparing for the book that I was writing, the book that will be out this fall on Nachum Chabokuk and Sifania. And the person giving this shir, a dear friend of mine, Rabbanit Shani Terrigan, somebody who's a great, great scholar, mentioned to the during the shir that she was giving this on Tisha B'Av. And she said, of course, this is the perfect shir to give on Tisha B'Av. After all, Tzifani is as horrible a nevuah as you get in the Tanakh. Yom Shoah Meshuah, a day of holocaust and destruction. It really is a really nasty bit of prophecy. And yet you can't read Tzifani on Tisha B'Av, according to Halakha, was Rabbanit Terrigan right or wrong? I debated this question for several years, until I heard a wonderful shir by Rabbi Moshe Lichtenstein, the Rosh Kolo of Gush Harzion, son of Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, Zichron Sadiq Levacha, and he made this following suggestion. What is it that Chazal saw? Why did the rabbis decide that the books of Jeremiah, Job, are in, and the other books are out? Is there some qualitative difference between the suffering that's going on? Is one person's death, is this description of destruction and exile worse or better than the other descriptions? And Rabbi made a very interesting distinction that sticks with me to this day. And that is the distinction of who is the prophecy talking about. Yeshayahu, Isaiah, talks about destructions and tribulations that will befall the Jewish people in the future. Not now, but he says this is what will happen. And his visions are horrible, they're apocalyptic. But they don't talk about his time. Yermiah, on the other hand, lived through the destruction. Ezekiel could describe what was happening at this very same time. He was living at the very same time, but he was living from the relative comforts and safety of Babylon, where he was located. That doesn't allow for him to properly appreciate it may allow him to appreciate the magnitude of the destruction, but he cannot give his personal reaction because he's not there. Similarly, the book of Job is not a theoretical study of good versus evil. It is a person actually undergoing these sufferings and how he chooses to react. And that, I think, becomes the lesson of why we choose to read the fourth chapter of Devarim today. We read the second half. But of course, the second half assumed that you read the first half of the chapter 4 in the book of Devarim, book of Deuteronomy. And if we look at it carefully, we see this wonderful, wonderful structure. Chapter 4 begins by describing how great the mitzvot are. And it also describes, in verse 7, how great a nation there is. Mi goy elokim malav. We have a great nation. And look at this great nation again. Mi goy mishpatim. Look at the Jewish people, how great and wonderful it is to be there. All these are wonderful, wonderful ideas, and they talk about the greatness of the Jewish people. And so, if I was summarizing the chapter, I would go as follows. Verses 1 to 5, keep the mitzvot, chukim mishpatim. B, verses 6 to 8, 
the mitzvot are Israel's greatness. Look how great we are. Verses 9 to 14. We got the Torah. We received the Torah. All these are wonderful things. D, verse 13. We have a breed. We have a covenant with God. And E, don't commit avodah Do not do idolatry, because God is a zealous God. All this is the first half of the chapter we do that, but this section we do not read. We begin with the second half, and not surprisingly, it's a chiasm. It reverses everything that we've read until now. Verses 25 to 29, when you beget children and grandchildren, you've been in the land, you'll grow corrupt and make a graven image. This begins the warning of idolatry, which we had in the last 10 verses, verses 15 to 24. But verses 25 to 29 now talk about the punishment, and the punishment is exile. D, which was the breach, the covenant we made, now verses 30 to 31, Hashem is the one who will remember the covenant. C, we talked about the giving of the Torah. Now in verses 32 to 36, it reverses and tells us that Hashem remembers how he gave us the Torah. B, we talked about how the mitzvot are the greatness of B'nai Yisrael. Now it describes how great Hashem is that he gave us these mitzvot. And A, it goes back, and this is the last verse that we read today, keep these mitzvot. We talked about keeping the mitzvot at the beginning of the chapter. We come back to keeping the mitzvot. But what we see here is a tremendous shift. As opposed to the focus being on ourselves, the focus is on how Kaddish Baruch reacts to our mistakes. The greatness of God is not that he gave us these mitzvot. The greatness of God is how he acts when we fail to live up to the standards of these commandments, when we don't live according to his precepts. And even though we are punished, God is there to take us back. And that, in this fact, is really a very hopeful thing. There's one final detail I want to look at, and that is chapter 4, verse 8. I'll read it in Hebrew and English, and tell me what's wrong here. What great nation is talking about praising Israel that has these sort of commandments and ordinances, as this whole Torah, which I gave you this day? If you listen carefully, when did we get the Torah? Moshe is speaking to the Jews in Arvot Moab before they're going into the land of Israel. They received the Torah at Sinai 40 years before. But this is the trick of Sefer Devarim. If you look carefully in chapter 4, the word today appears seven times. Hayom, hayom, hayom. It's one of the key words, a repeated word that goes on and on. Everything that Moshe is trying to teach the Jewish people is there's no such thing as history in the past. These things happen today. Every lesson that happened beforehand is, is relevant for us today. And it does that by very clever. You received the Torah. When? Not 40 years ago. Today. You went through these experiences in the past? No. But if they affected decisions you make, and you can learn from them, they, these experiences actually happen today. And that I, goes back to this, what we said earlier about which books we read on Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is meant to reflect how it affects us today. It's interesting. The famous Aleph Taf, the first day of Pesach, always follows up the first day of Tisha B'Av. And if you remember the fir- on Pesach, we don't commemorate the taking out of Egypt in the past. We have to be as if we live through the taking, the leaving of Mitzrayim. That, if we don't live that and experience it, we haven't com- fulfilled the commandment of telling the story of leaving Egypt. We simply tell our kids about a past event we haven't done. We have to make them feel like they themselves are leaving. So too, Tishabav. It's not enough to simply say this happened in the past. We have to experience it today and enjoy it. And in doing so, hopefully we'll be able to bring the redemption today. Thank you from the Tanakh Talks podcast in Alonso, Jerusalem. Have an easy fast.